everyone, and welcome to Farm Bureau on the Hill. I'm Amy Beckham, and joining me for this week's legislative update is from our public policy division, Shelby Vinoy. And Shelby, it has been a wild week in Nashville, to say the least, but it has been a very special week celebrating our most important industry. And to say Ag Day on the Hill was a success, I think would be an understatement. It was just a really special day. It was. We couldn't have asked for better weather. We were worried early on in the week we were going to get rained out. And then and just in light of everything that's happening in Nashville, there's just been a lot of a lot of worries. But as we should have expected, everything came together perfectly. And we had, I think, over 30 vendors and, and just hundreds of people. I did not expect to see so many friendly faces yesterday. It was just a really good, made, made you feel good about where we're going in the industry. And the governor did show up for a very special photo. He was not able to to stay and really participate in all the festivities, just given the circumstances. But he did make a point to come and visit with some youth livestock exhibitors. And that was really special for them, I think. He visited with them and some FFA and 4-H members and just really voiced his belief in them and the fact that they are the future of our most important industry. So I think we were grateful that he was able to do that. We had some friendly competition between the House <laughs> and Senate corn shellin contest. And what was the what was the winner called? Do you remember? They were called the amazing uh, corn shellers um, for the 2023 Ag Day on the Hill corn test. Oh, okay. I think was the puns. Gotcha. Lots of puns. Okay. Well, the House did take away that win. Speaker Sexton was on that. We had Chairman Todd and and Chairman Grills, both of our uh, House Ag Committee chairmen, helping just shell the mess out of that corn. (laughs) And they they did a good job. But the Senate also gave it a good shot. They did. Senator Nicely and Senator Sutherland also helped a little bit, as well as Adam Lowe and Shane Reeves as well. So just a really good event. Um, A lot of people were there. And so that was just very special to celebrate. And then we had a really good presentation in the House Agriculture Committee. We've mentioned the past few weeks it's closed, but we still opened it up for a special presentation. It was an hour long presentation of a lot of farmers, a lot of youth in agriculture sharing about agriculture um, to that committee and they asked a lot of questions so it's just a good good day to say the least anything else you have to add about ag day i will give a shout out to our crew that got to the steps of the capitol building at 4 Uh a.m yesterday morning and grilled all of our protein commodities donated Uh, we had over 600 biscuits that were served and Mm -hmm. shout out to cracker barrel for the biscuits but our poultry producers our pork producers and our cattle Association. Special thanks to y'all for providing the protein and then special thanks to Mark and Brian here at Farm Bureau and Jimmy and and some folks from co-op and just all of those who came and and were there before the sun even thought about coming up Mm -hmm. and uh, grilled some good biscuits and uh, it just washed down real good with an MTSU chocolate milk and some some purity milk. But to all of those who helped either plan or, or exhibit or came with livestock you all are what makes this day so special and for our lawmakers who came and who listened to the podcast thank you for coming and and just really seeing firsthand why this industry is so important and why we do what we do thank you is not enough 
to say the least, because um, yesterday was just a really, really special day. So moving right along, Shelby, obviously the main kind of topics that we like to focus on in the podcast are our priority issues. And for those who are keeping up, I made Shelby give me a list of those priority issues beforehand because we're well into the weeds of the legislature. And I feel like it's been ages since we actually talked about those four priority issues that we set at the very beginning of the podcast back in January or February. And so we just want to provide just some update on those four priority issues that Tennessee Farm Bureau has this legislative session. So the first one is Greenbelt. The second one is Constitutional Amendment for Property Tax. A third one is local governments. We didn't have any specific legislation on this, but a focus was on local government funding. And then the last one is the Department of Agriculture funding and some programs within that department. And we're going to talk all about these, but Shelby, just to let's go in order of those that I mentioned. Those are our four priority issues, but starting with the Greenbelt priority issue. House Bill 898 was heard in the Finance, Ways, and Means subcommittee this week. How did that go? So House Bill 898 um, relative to Greenbelt and conservation programs was up in the Finance, Ways, and Means subcommittee this week in the House. It was placed behind the budget, which is not a negative thing. I think some uh, lawmakers come in and when their bills go behind the budget, they feel like their bill has just been killed. And that that's not what that means. It just means that this particular piece of legislation, the local fiscal impact cannot be determined because there are so diverse array of farms all across Tennessee that are enrolled in the Greenbelt program. And there's no way for them to exactly put their finger on it and say, this is the perceived local impact. Because of that, anything that has any kind of fiscal impact, negative towards local impact, um, negative decreasing state revenue they put that behind the budget and wait until the actual budget passes so it's kind of like the budget is leading the parade so once the budget gets passed then the committee goes through and looks at all of those bills that are quote behind the budget and starts to pull those out and and fund those that need funding those that have local impact obviously the state doesn't have to fund those so they, they start going back and and reassessing those that they've placed behind the budget and moving from there so that that's where that bill is is there so so do we feel optimistic about this legislation moving forward? I don't want to jinx anything, but we do feel optimistic because there is not a number tied with the bill. It seems like it's a lot more palatable to the committee to say, you know, we don't even know if this is going to have a fiscal impact for local governments because these farms are already enrolled in Greenbelt when they're entered into a conservation program. So um, we're optimistic. We've we've been working the committee just like it, just like it was any other piece of legislation, knowing that it, it could go behind the budget and um, when that happened this week. But we feel good about where we are with the committee and um, look forward to, to getting that passed and, and moving forward. Very good. So the next priority issue is our constitutional amendment on preventing a statewide property tax, House Joint Resolution 81. And the special constitutional amendment calendar is set for this upcoming Wednesday. So Shelby, can you break that down for us? What exactly does does that mean? Yep. So early on in session, we told you guys about when this legislation got introduced and that it was set for the Finance, Ways, and Subcommittee calendar. And they assigned it to a special calendar. And so there are several constitutional amendments. I believe we heard there were six uh, five or six um, being considered this session. And 
because the Secretary of State's office is who kind of creates the ballot that you'll see several years from now when we elect a new governor and, and this would go on the ballot, um, their office determines how many constitutional amendments move forward, so to speak. Every single session? Yes. Okay. So this year, I think we've we've kind of been hearing that there's four that are going to be moving forward. But because there are so many constitutional amendments and they are all moving at different times, Chairman Hicks, who is the finance subcommittee chairman, said, you know, let's just wait and let's put them all on the same calendar. We'll address them all at one time. Um, we'll, fi- we'll find out what the number, that special number is from the Secretary of State's office about how many can go forward on the ballot without having to pay any extra money to alter the ballot. And let's address them there. So special constitutional amendment calendar. We're, I think, number three on the calendar for that. And Representative Darby is going to be there to present that constitutional amendment. And, and just like with the Greenbelt bill, we've been working this for months now. Every office we're in, we, we kind of do a quick recap of our priority issues. And we've been answering questions from lawmakers. And, and we feel pretty optimistic about this one, too, that um, hopefully we make the cut. We may not be number one. We may not be the first amendment that's on the ballot. But um, we do feel pretty confident that we will be one of the four that gets chosen. So if for some reason the you know we are positive about it but if for some reason our constitutional amendment is not approved this year what happens then? So the finicky thing about constitutional amendments is that it's a multi-year process. So a general assembly is two years so this is the first half of the 113th general assembly and then next January we'll start the second half of the 113th general assembly. The constitutional amendment has to pass by a simple majority in the first general assembly which doesn't necessarily mean that it has to happen this year. It could happen in 2024 and it would still count for passing in the 113th general assembly. So if for some reason we're not successful in getting this constitutional amendment off of that special calendar and onto the full finance committee, um, we would just reset and and plan for January of 24. And um, that would kind of be when we would enter into crunch time because it would have to pass that year in order to move forward to the next General Assembly in order to be on um, the next coming uh, governor's election ballot. So So hopefully we're going to we're going to hope for the best, to say the least, this this session. But It's still optimistic, even if it doesn't pass. So we'll keep you updated on that one. The next priority issue that I mentioned was local government. Like I said, there was no official legislation that we put forward. Uh, We've talked about this issue for many, many weeks. And so uh, hopefully you are keeping up with it, have kept up with it. But Shelby, can we put a bow on it this week, do you think? I I think we might can. Okay. There's still some other things that are relative to local government that we're following that aren't necessarily priority issues that we can touch on later. But this particular issue kind of surrounded the discussion of impact fees. And I believe two weeks ago, that legislation failed in subcommittee. So um, as far as that priority issue, I feel like we have done a really good job at starting that conversation. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't want to speak for the sponsor and for other stakeholders, but I feel like that's a that's an okay outcome for us, that we're yeah. having these conversations and we've got a game plan for what, what the conversations in the summer are going to look like. And the chairman of that subcommittee has said, you know, these were, I'm going to, I'm here once, once a month anyway in Nashville mm-hmm. for other meetings and whether it's every month or whenever, we're going to have these conversations about how local governments can adequately fund the growth that they're experiencing. Um, so while I, we don't necessarily have, you know, a big gold star win that we have for local government funding um, like we would have liked to have seen, the issue is not dead. And we're going to continue that over the summer and see what next January holds.
kind of related to that, but just to mention, yesterday in the House Ag Committee, a farmer from Robertson County, a Farm Bureau member, Willis Jepson, uh, he is a diversified row crop farmer up in Robertson County, and I think he did an excellent job, not necessarily on how governments are funded, but just on the fact that we need to be talking about the growth in Tennessee, the land loss in Tennessee, and so I think he just, I think he kind of put the bow, he kind of mm-hmm. tied it into a nice little bow for us, just wrapping up that committee and that this needs to be a topic of conversation because we have to have farmers, we have to have agriculture moving forward, and we need to protect that land. So I just thought he did a really, really good job. And that's not what we sent him there to right. do. We sent him there to tell a story about their farming yep. operation. But I think that just speaks volumes for how much that is on the forefront of everyone's mind. Yep. It's not just us that are, you know, this is what we do all day for a living. Mm-hmm. It's it's in those that are there in the field. They're seeing the growth closing in around them. They understand the the need for these discussions, too. Yeah. So the last priority issue is that we are focused and we are in support of the Department of Agriculture and some very specific programs. And a lot of that was released in the governor's proposed budget back at the beginning of February. But obviously, like we've talked, things change. And then he presents his proposed budget amendment. And he did release that this week. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other stuff that's in his proposed budget amendment. But let's start with the Department of Ag programs because we know a little bit more information that is a priority issue that we want you all to be aware of. Yep. And looking at the governor's proposed budget amendment. Um, Say that three times fast. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> um, after looking through everything, as far as our folks are concerned, I think for the sake of conversation, we should break it down into three buckets. Yep. Um, obviously, starting with the, something that we're all familiar with, we'll start with, with agriculture and then we can move on to maybe school safety and yep. then education. But starting with agriculture, one of the big issues that we were prioritizing this year was increased funding for the Tennessee Ag Enterprise and the Tennessee Ag Enhancement Programs. As you all probably remember, in February, Governor Lee announced a $17.5 million investment into the Tennessee Ag Enterprise Program to help rural markets and, and rural businesses. Um, the amendment, the budget amendment that hit, that was revealed on Tuesday to the Senate Finance Committee, there's no additional funding for either of those two programs. However, throughout session and really through since we've been kind of mitigating this highly pathogenic avian influenza mm-hmm. issue, there has been some light shined upon the state vet's office and funding those health programs. And there was some funding put in in February in the, the initial proposed budget, but it looks like there's going to be another $821,600 recurring money for the Department of Agriculture. And that is specifically earmarked for salary improvements for animal health and lab positions. So I think half of the battle is recruiting people to come work in the state vet's office to work with animal health. The second half of the battle is equivalently compensating them to where they want to stay and do the work of the Department of Agriculture. Um, Along those same lines, there's been over $3 million recurring money also headed to the Department of Agriculture for salary improvement for forestry positions. Seems like Often we're hearing of wildfires, especially in that upper East Tennessee area, and those guys put their life on the line to protect our, our forest land and, and work with producers and, and timber harvesters to to keep our, our forestry business going in Tennessee, and they, they definitely deserve um, to be compensated for that. So um, those are two things that were noted in the budget 
um, specifically for the Department of Agriculture, specifically for salary improvements. And although those were not things that we necessarily set out in January, these were things that have kind of become the forefront of our mind with our friends at the department. And um, we look forward to working with them um, as they expand their departments. And there are a couple other things that are for agriculture, if we want to just jump on into those, So, Amy. real quick, TAEP, the Tennessee Ag Enhancement Program, and, oh dear, what's that acronym? The Tennessee Ag Enterprise Fund. Uh-huh. Those didn't receive additional. That's right. Okay. So, the Ag Enterprise Fund, and this amendment is merely just adding on to what was revealed in February. Okay. I gotcha. So, that $17.5 million is, is still working still in, in the proposed budget. There's just not going to be any additional yep. to that $17.5. Good question. And I think we'll get into why there's not additional with some of these yep. other these other two bucket, buckets. But, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what's included in this budget amendment for agriculture. So, there is a $4 million proposed allocation to um, the Future Farmers of America for um, Camp Clements improvements. That was something that last year, I guess, there was a memorandum of understanding filed between the Department of Education and the Department of Agriculture over just the management of that career and technical student organization. And and we've got some new positions at the Department of Ag uh, to kind of have some regional consultants for that. But um, there's $4 million specifically allocated for Camp Clements for renovations and updates to the camp. Um, some other programs that are overseen by the Department of Agriculture, um, the Wine and Grape Board and the Cultivate Program, who they were at Ag Day mm-hmm. and, and sharing their story. Yeah. Um, combined, they were receiving $350,000, 100000 of that to the Wine and Grape Board recurring, so they'll, they'll receive that annually. And Cultivate would receive a $250,000 one-time investment. Also receiving a proposed one-time investment is a agribusiness project in the Granger County area. Um, we think that's going to be something for Granger County schools for them to have a, a barn and expand the farm on their, their school. Um, and that was $580,000 um, non-recurring one-time investment for that. Several other projects that are listed, some stuff at, at Roan State for an Ag Expo Center um, so lots of stuff you can you definitely still see the governor's passion for agriculture because it's sprinkled all throughout this budget amendment. So that check marks the agriculture bucket in terms of Governor Lee's proposed budget amendment. And now let's get to school safety and education. So obviously those are a little bit one in the same, but let's kind of approach them differently. And given light of all the things that have happened the past few weeks, Governor Lee did make a point to say that we need to do something about school safety, and he proposed some money to kind of back up those words. So can you share a little bit about what that announcement on Monday was all about? Yep, and just kind of looking back at the last two weeks, we certainly expected something Mm -hmm. to come in the realm of school safety, but on Monday... Governor Lee held a press conference with several of um, the General Assembly members about an increase in funding for school safety, and that came in the form of $140 million for um, a statewide school resource officer grant. And I, I think the logistics of that are still being worked through, but the way that it's been explained to us in committee is that if you have a school who does not have a school resource officer, you could apply for one of these grants to get a school resource officer, or if you are a school who you have a school resource officer already in in your school, but you're paying them through for their budgeted funds for your school, 
you can apply for this grant to cover that position through grant money. So that money that will be coming back to your school and your normal operating budget could be used for other school safety measures. So um, trying to to put school resource officers in, in all the schools across the state, and, and that's that's just in public schools. There was additional to that. So it's $140 million, um, for public school, school resource officers. Additionally, there has been a $7 million investment um, for school resource officers or the like in our private schools. So this would be a, a partnership with, with the county sheriff's office with their existing school resource officers to get some representation in our private schools as well. Aside from that $140 million and the $7 million, there are several other millions of dollars allocated in different buckets, um, all kind of focusing on school safety in response to um, the horrific incident that happened in Nashville last week. So um, I think Amy mentioned earlier about how some of our programs that we maybe thought we may receive some increased funding for that we did not see in the budget amendment. I think it's understandable that this is where that money is going and this is where that money needs to be right now in our state. So if somebody wanted to find a little bit more about what that entailed, where could they go to find that information? Yes, great question. So we have attached the budget amendment overview to this week's alert, okay. as well as linked to the video to Commissioner Jim Bryson, his presentation to both the Senate and the House Finance Ways and Means Committees. And then there's right above those links, there's an additional link for the PowerPoint that he used. Um, so if you want to see it in graphic form where it's the where they block it out exactly what's for school safety, the PowerPoint is not as comprehensive as the overview that's attached in the alert. But if you don't receive the alert, you can also find it on the Department of Finance and Administration's website. Or if you are following on the Tennessee General Assembly dashboard that I think we've kind of plugged previously, on the House Finance Ways and Means Committee, which met Tuesday at 3 p.m., it's a supplemental material in that on that dashboard. And the last bucket, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit there. That's my fault. But the last bucket was education. So we obviously school safety is a little bit of that, but separately, what kind of funding is in his proposed budget amendment for education? Yeah, so I think school safety kind of ties hand in hand with education, but there is one specific point about education, uh, specifically career and technical education that I wanted to bring to light because we did get some calls throughout the fall. So last year, Governor Lee allocated some special one-time money for career and technical education programs. If you were a high school CTE program, you could receive up to $1 million. And if you were a middle school CTE program, you could receive up to $500,000. And that was for the purpose of uh, promoting, expanding, adding to that school's existing CTE program. We could not have been more excited for schools to receive that money. However, it came to light that there are certain schools that the department refers to as mixed use programs. And those are your K through 12 or your six through 12 programs that don't fit the bill of either a middle or high school. They're just they're mixed use. They're unique. Um, they were only eligible for up to $500,000 because of their unique status. We met with the governor's office in the fall right before session met and kind of brought this to his attention that especially these mixed use schools that have an ag program or any other CTE program for that matter, that they deserve to receive the funding just as if they were a high school. Yeah. So 
um, they have allocated a $29 million um, earmark for career and technical education, and those would be grants exclusively for mixed-use schools, and there's 58 of those across the state, and they would all be schools that likely received up to that $500,000 last year. They'll be eligible to receive up to an additional $500,000, which would bring their total investment over the last few years to $1 million. Um, which is what those high school programs received. So um, thank you to Governor Lee and thank you to all those um, both in the ag ed classrooms and, and other CTE classrooms across the state that brought that to our attention and, and helped us uh, kind of e express our concern and our desire to see those programs funded adequately. So we're really excited about that. Very much so. So before we kind of wrap things up and close, over the past few weeks, there's been some other legislation that aren't necessarily priority issues, but they do potentially impact agriculture. And so y'all have been following those very closely. Let's kind of have some updates on each of those. And those are de-annexation, farmer's market, and the state meat inspection program. So we're trying to kind of organize this podcast today in threes, or it kind of seems like three or fours. Um, so let's just keep going that way, I guess. So I like share a little bit about de-annexation and that legislation that's moving through where it's at and what we need to be aware of. Yeah, so de-annexation is one of those that we've kind of been looping in with our overarching local government funding, local government issues sector of our podcast that seems to be a standing segment we've had lately. But um, de-annexation was a bill that Representative Alexander and Senator Watson have about if you're on a city boundary and you contribute to agriculture production, and there's, there's certain criteria based on the amended version, but... Um, that bill was up before the finance, the House Finance Ways and Means Subcommittee, and similar to the Greenbelt legislation, it does not have a specific negative fiscal impact. However, it does say that the local fiscal impact cannot be precisely determined. So because of that, it's also been placed behind the budget. Um, but when we've been meeting with lawmakers about our Greenbelt legislation, this has been our second talking point, and we also feel pretty optimistic in the House that they're going to address that and bring that out from behind the budget once the budget gets passed. In the Senate, they do things a little bit differently over there when it comes to the way the Finance Committee does. You don't necessarily have this long list of bills that sits behind the budget. So that bill in the Senate is waiting to be calendared for the Senate floor. So what that means is we'll have a date where in the coming weeks it'll be heard on the Senate floor and, and could be passed. So um, we're feeling really good about that one as well. And the next one is farmers markets, and that has the potential to have some positive impact on our farmers market. So where is that currently at? So this legislation, just as a reminder, has to deal with permits for if you want to offer samples or prepared food at the farmer's market. It has had a little bit longer of a journey because last week it kind of had to take an off-ramp and go to the Government Operations Committee because the Department of Health is involved with that. Anytime a state department is involved, it has to go through Government Operations. So it went there and it passed out of Government Operations unanimously on Monday morning and is now headed for its journey through the Finance, Ways, and Means Subcommittee. So I think we mentioned last week we're at that point where everything's in finance. It's a really good place to be this time of year, but also means that there are some long days ahead. But that bill is headed to Finance Sub. It actually has a positive fiscal note, 
Um, so we feel confident that that's not going to have to go uh, behind the budget, and hopefully we'll can see that continuing to move on. And similar to the de-annexation legislation in the Senate, it's been referred to the Senate Calendar Committee. We're waiting to hear a date when it's going to be heard on the House floor. And last but certainly not least, the state meat inspection program. This legislation is something that we don't necessarily have a position on, but we are monitoring. So we do want to provide you an update on that. Um, so Shelby, just tell us kind of where, what committees it's in and what we can expect moving forward. Sure. So similar to the farmer's market legislation, it also had to go through government operations this week because the Department of Agriculture would be involved with that legislation. It passed out of the Government Operations Committee on Monday as well. And just like the farmer's market bill, it's headed to the Finance Subcommittee uh, where it's going to be heard. And it's been referred to the Finance Committee in the Senate and it has not been scheduled for a date at this point. So it's in finance in both chambers and uh, looking forward to see seeing the discussion on that. Uh, we don't have a position on this. This is just not something that our, our membership has uh, reached a consensus on, but it does appear that it, it is going to have a fiscal impact. So I would anticipate that that's going to go behind the budget as well, but um, time will only tell. Very good. So where are we thinking session's going to be done? When are things going to really wrap up? Well, if you'd asked me last week, I would have said three to four weeks from now. Now that we have the budget amendment, procedurally, that takes at least three weeks when, yeah. when you think about moving it through the committee process. Um, however, just with with all of the discussion around school safety, uh, we're kind of wondering if that may prolong things just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I know on the floor today, they've taken up some items relative to school safety and continuing those discussions in committee. And I'm still hoping for a pre-May adjournment yeah. uh, to be able to come back here to the office and kind of get back to some, some normalities around <laughs> here. But um, I guess we, we shall see what the next few weeks hold. But I'm looking forward to watching them work through the budget and, and send everything to the floor. I think next week, the only committee that meets in the Senate's finance. So that's that's a sign it is the end of the session as we know it. <laughs> well, very good. Well, we are excited and looking forward to having y'all back in the office, to say the least. But appreciate all the hard work that y'all are doing, the late nights and early mornings that y'all have up in Nashville this time of year. So appreciate the great update as always, Shelby. Hopefully we provided y'all with some good insights, some good information on a lot of things happening up in Nashville on the Hill. And uh, that'll do us for this week. So thanks for tuning in. And we look forward to giving you an update next week. Have a wonderful Easter weekend. The weather looks lovely. And I uh, just hope you have a great weekend with friends and family celebrating the risen Savior. So have a great weekend. And we look forward to sharing more next week.